Am I Reister or am I wrong? Welcome to 2020. Boy, I am super excited. Got some really big things up for the year. Thank you guys so much for supporting in 2020, 2019. All of this would not be possible without you. Um, am I Reister or am I wrong? Is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Nothing is more important than the truth. And daily fire. No Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only here. Make sure you check your feelings at the door before you even show up. No BS is allowed. I keep it 100. And you guys can email me, gwpodcast at unafraidshow.com. Make sure you subscribe, tell a friend, all of that. And you can listen to me as well on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And on the Pac-12 Apostles Podcast and Fox Sports Radio on Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m., Sirius 83. Um, But we're going to start today. Russell Wilson is the real MVP for ensuring his wide receiver, David Moore, gets 100 grand. Doug Peterson, Eagles coach, made a chump move at the end of the game against the Washington football team, but the Giants have no right to be upset. How? But how else was the NFC East supposed to end? Nick Saban, coach of Alabama, he's reopening his soup kitchen for failed head coaches. He's opening that back up. And Steph Curry, he said shut up to everybody questioning his legacy with 62 points. And Alex Smith may have the greatest comeback story in the history of sports. Um, So happy 2020. We're going to start out 2020 with some good news, though. We're not going to start out with bad news. We're going to start out with good news. And that's Russell Wilson. So I was in this exact same situation in, what, 2006 or 2007. I was playing with the Jaguars. I needed one catch to get a like a $200,000 bonus. And our quarterback, David Garrard, was out there. Put Quinn Gray in, who was our third string, not make, making league minimum. So I went to Quinn Gray and was like, yo, Quinn, yo, I, I will give you, I think I told him I'd give him $20,000 if he made sure that I got these two catches. I got one, but then I didn't get a chance to get another one. Last game of the season at Kansas City. But, I, but that's how important it is. It's a morale thing. All that I fell one catch short. So what happened is, is David Moore, who you've seen catch touchdowns from Russell Wilson, he was one catch short of a hundred thousand dollar bonus. Mind you, he had already signed like a two point one million dollar deal coming into the season, but then the Seahawks made him renegotiate it before the season started. Otherwise, he was going to be cut. So he had to lower his salary to uh, like $850,000. And then at the end of the game, uh, the Seahawks recovered the onside kick. And instead of taking a knee, Russell Wilson did one of those little push passes to him to make sure that he got his hundred grand. Russell Wilson, great job. That's why. That's another reason why I feel confident in Seattle making the Super Bowl, which is what was my early season prediction. Because this type of leadership goes a long way. Because sometimes the guy at the top of the locker room making $35 million, not really that concerned or that in touch with what's going on with everybody else. So you have 
to love it. Good job, Russell Wilson. Great leadership, everything. Now on to a terrible NFC team. So how else was the NFC East supposed to end besides in some BS, in a disaster, on a national televised game? The Eagles went full trust the process, tank mode. It was some hot-ass garbage. And Roger Goodell should find the Eagles. If they had done it at 1 o'clock, yeah, it still would have been bad. But the, to at the last game of the regular season, to pull Jalen Hurts in a, a like, like it, it made no sense. He put in Nate Sudfeld, who nobody thinks is the future. They, they do not think that he's the future. In a three-point fourth quarter game to decide whether or not they go to the playoffs? I, I'm, well, well, the Giants end up going to the playoffs? It, it was absolutely a disaster. It was terrible. That's literally tanking. But here is what they would have gotten for it. So the Eagles now have the sixth pick in the NFL draft. If they had won the game, they would have gone down to like 11, 15, somewhere around, around there. So they played draft positioning instead of play to win the game. I'm, I always talk about if you do the right things, the right things happen. That's why the trust the process hasn't worked in Philadelphia. It was not the right thing to do. So I'm calling out Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, and everybody else who had a part of this. They should be ashamed because before the we know the Eagles had a bunch of players out, all of that. And before the game, he even said, oh, well, I might get Nate Sudfeld in if the game's out of hand or something like that. The game wasn't out of hand. You had a chance to win. I, uh, and I'm not sure whether it was a move because Carson Wentz wasn't active. So they did it on purpose because Jalen Hurts may have led them to a win. They were like, hell no. Hell no. Absolutely not. We're, we're, we're going to put Nate Sudfeld in, who's clearly nobody thinks is the future. How can you even possibly even really give that an opportunity? You just spent a second round pick on Jalen Hurts, and you still owe Carson Wentz like 50-some million dollars. Come on, man. And you can't just trade Carson Wentz without him being a part of it because he's got to take a pay cut for him to get traded. Like, this is absolute Bush League. Absolute Bush League. And I hated it with the power of a thousand sons. Nobody should do this. Like, it's it's a slap in the face to the game. But you know what they say, karma's a bitch. And she will come calling. When you do stuff like this to actually cheat the game, Yep, you get your due. I'm not saying anything uh, negative is going to befall Doug Peterson as a person. But professionally, uh, probably. Probably won't go so well. Won't be winning the Super Bowl anytime soon. You did the right things when you won the Super Bowl. Now, you're doing all the wrong things. Uh, A guy who's doing all the right things, though. Alex Smith. Bravo. And Alex Smith's comeback from near death. 17 surgeries to repair his leg playing on like his his quad is on his calf all this I mean near amputation 
to lead Washington to the playoffs is probably the greatest comeback story in the history of sports. And my, my wife always says that I, that, you know, I'm a, I try to compare things to the history. Like, oh, this is one of the greatest or the greatest or anything like that. So I went to go look at, because we've all seen this story. We know what happened at some of the other great comebacks in the history of sports, but specifically in football. And I was like, who's had great comeback stories to where we could compare this to? Because Alex Smith is absolutely outstanding. I was looking at, so you got Lance Armstrong. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know we hate Lance Armstrong. I mean, I don't, but I know a lot of other people do. He disgraced, he lied to us, all of this. I get it. But this man was given a 40% chance to live. His cancer had spread to his abdomen, lungs, brain, everywhere else. Thought he was gone. And then he was not only able to live, but then come back to be able to do EPO and everything else and win Tour, Tour de France. Just the fact that the man is alive and then was able to come back and be a high-level athlete is absolutely outstanding. And that's one of the greatest as well. Then I got to looking at Garrison Hurst. Running back, I think he came from Tennessee. He broke his ankle up super bad. Doctors had to go in there and, and carve out bone. That was, and he was able to come back and play. They put bone fracture. They, they $6 million man this dude back together like they did Alex Smith. He was able to come back. But there's really one I want to highlight. I had never heard of this dude before in my life. This dude named Rocky Blair, uh, Blair, B-L-E-I-E-R. He was a captain at Notre Dame. Uh, he got drafted twice uh, by the Pittsburgh Steelers and then by the Army. And he went from, he was in the jungles and all that in Vietnam. And on August 29th, 1969, his platoon, uh, they went, they got ambushed and a bullet, he took a bullet through the leg and then a grenade exploded next to him. And like his foot was, had sulfur, shrap, shrap metal, all of that in it. He was bleeding they thought he would never walk again, any of that. And mind you, this is before like modern, like the, the modern medicine that we have now. He ended up being able to go play again, get four Super Bowl rings and a Purple Heart. So Alex Smith, yeah, not the greatest. I got to give it to Rocky Blair. Um, next thing up, the Chargers, they should not have fired Anthony Lamb. And, okay, so in all transparency, I've known Anthony Lynn since I was a rookie in, in the NFL. And I root for black coaches. So let me put that out there. I believe that what you saw from Anthony Lynn toward the end of the season was what you would have seen going into next season. Because the Chargers struggled against bad, against good teams. But the mark of an up-and-coming team is how you do against bad teams. And at the end of the season, they beat the Raiders. They beat the shorthanded Chiefs. They beat uh, Denver. Like, you're supposed to beat the bad teams. That's the mark of a good team or an ascending team. And, yeah, they had trouble with the good teams. Duh. The teams that are going to the playoffs. So did everybody else. They played the Bills close. But Anthony Lynn, they did lose a lot of leads. And I thought his willingness to 
be more aggressive toward the end of the season led to was a was a change in philosophy which would have been allowed him to be better in the future and also you have to be careful when you have rookie quarterbacks who are successful so his rookie quarter so his quarterback coach was pep hamilton and the what you've seen out of justin herbert you have to be careful with switching that up so the only logical replacement for anthony lynn is eric Bieniemy. not just because he's a black man but because he's qualified and mind you, not even that you have to be qualified to be an NFL head coach anyway, because they'll make something up. Look at Joe Judge with the New York Giants. Seems to be doing a pretty good job so far. Special teams coach. Don't tell me that coordinator BS. So, like, and this is the, and mind you, Eric Bieniemy played for the Chargers. He was a second round pick there. And with Joey Bosa, Justin Herbert, Derwin James, Mike Williams, uh, Keenan Allen, Melvin Ingram, this is in the 13th pick. This is going to be a very good football team, and I hope it goes to Eric Bieniemy, and that Anthony Lynn gets to be a recycled head coach because we've seen how many head coaches don't do well in their first stop. And some of them didn't even show promise, like Adam Gase. Didn't even show promise. They get a second shot. Anthony Lynn should immediately be hired by somebody. Um, dude, in the Monday night, well, in the Sunday night football game last night, you know, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are in the booth. This was absolute comedy. And this was like, he's a prime example of old people don't give a damn what they're talking about. They don't give a damn. Like they're going to shoot it straight. Tell it how it is. And when, um, and it was fourth and four, it was fourth and four in the fourth quarter and the Eagles were down by three points. And instead of kicking a field goal, these, they went for it. They went for it on fourth down. And he said, whoever came up with that ain't picking my horses at Santa Anita next week. I'll tell you that. Loved it, dude. But the, the funniest part was, is mind you, Al Michaels has been calling NFL games for forever. And he made the mistake that I guarantee a lot of other people have made on the radio and that I have to actively keep from doing, which is calling the Washington football team the Redskins. And he did it. He did it on air, and everybody was like, damn, did he really do that? Uh, yes, he did. When you talk for a living, when you're doing all of this, yes, sometimes it is hard to uh, bleep that stuff out or remove it totally because you go on autopilot. You're like, Washington, Washington, and it just comes out. So I'm not mad at him, but it was funny. Uh, there's more bad news, though, for the Get Woke Go Broke crowd. Bad news for the Get Woke Go Broke crowd. Oh, the the NFL. Oh, they're they're getting they're letting these players. They're say, putting in racism people's names on the back of their helmets in the end zones. All of the they're, they're speaking out. Nobody's gonna watch. We're they're boycotting. You're a damn lie. I've all I've said it from the beginning. Get woke, go broke is a grift. And now the NFL is still in negotiations for ten year deals that could exceed a hundred billion dollars in value for their local of uh, well for their broadcasts that expire in 2020 and mind you amazon could be the biggest 
name or newest name that could be coming in. And that's their third. So they have the rights to the Thursday night games. So they're going to get those Thursday night games. Probably this is according to the New York post. So you get Amazon getting the Thursday night football games. The Sunday afternoon games would be at CBS and Fox. The Sunday night games would still be at NBC and Monday night football would still be on ESPN and ABC. The only thing is that Disney now who owns ABC and ESPN would add the Super Bowls to its package. So, um, so ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, they would all then rotate the Super Bowl instead of just uh, NBC, CBS, and Fox rotating the Super Bowl. So, but it's a 10-year deal. So how do you match that up? So they're all going to rotate. And then in a few years, they're all going to bid for the last two years of the Super Bowl. Boy, 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 the NFL know how to get that money. They're like, yeah, 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 we'll each give you two and you guys can bid on it. Give us another $5 billion a year to get these last two. Uh, but the biggest change, though, is that ESPN, Amazon ESPN Plus or Apple TV Plus could end up getting the streaming rights to all the Sunday night games. Well, the Sunday game. So that means Sunday ticket will be off of DirecTV because DirecTV is losing money. And they were paying $1.5 billion a year to the league for those rights. But now those are going to move to somebody else because DirecTV will be sold most likely because of cord cutters and streamers. This is what I've been telling you guys. Um, the uh, last two things up is Nick Saban. Nick Saban. He has reopened up his soup kitchen for out-of-work head coaches. I talked about this a couple years ago, but he's doing it again. We've seen everybody from Lane Kiffin go to Nick Saban to rehab after he was disgraced on the, fired on the tarmac from USC. Went to Nick Saban leadership training. Then gets a new job at FAU. Now the head coach at Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, just Brett, who's been been on the staff? Oh, Steve Sarkissian, who's now the new head coach at Texas. Flamed out at USC. Had his personal demons with alcohol or and substance abuse that he had to fix. Now, head coach at Texas. Charlie Strong, former head coach at Texas. On Nick Saban's staff. Mike Stoops, former head coach at Kentucky. On Nick Saban's staff. Major Applewhite. Been on his staff. Butch Jones, former Tennessee head coach. Been on his staff. Come on, man. Nick Saban. See what Nick Saban does. The, but, and the reason why this is even important is because with Steve Sarkisian leaving, who's his offensive coordinator now, he's going to need a new offensive coordinator. So where is he going to go? He's going to go to potentially here. Here's what the rumors are saying to either Adam Gase, Jets head coach, who's getting fired or Bill O'Brien, former Texans head coach. That's who he's going to hire. Mind you, who can argue with who Nick Saban hires to do just wins and wins and wins. Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. And he's going to rehab their images and they'll be back head coaches before you know it. Before you know it. And then Adam Gates will probably still suck. But um, you have to applaud Nick Saban, though. He loves, he loves football. He loves football so much 
that he is even going to help other coaches be better, help the league be better, pass on all this knowledge. Yep. But he doesn't teach them the two, but he does remember the two rules of power. Number one, don't tell everybody everything that you know. And number two, see rule number one. Um, And the last thing up, though, is I want to give some shout out and props to Steph Curry. A lot of people have been talking trash about Steph Curry. A lot of people have been talking trash about Steph, Steph Curry. And I was like, oh, he's overrated now that he doesn't have clay. He can't do it. The dude's playing with a bunch of G League players and Weissman. Mind you, Kelly Oubre's been playing terrible. Um, uh, Wiggins has been just below average. And that's what he's playing with. People say, oh, no, Dame's better than him. All these, oh, he had paper championships, all of this. And what a Steph do last night? Become the oldest player since Kobe Bryant to drop 60 in a game. He's 32. Scored 62. Had one of them shut up, shut up, stop talking to me games. So big ups, Steph Curry. Still the greatest shooter of all time. Warriors will be back. It just won't be this season. And he's still a top 15 player of all time. Most inf- One of the most influential players of all time. Um... And the last thing up, the last thing we got up today is the 2021 men's NCAA tournament will be played. The whole thing will be played in Indiana. And this was the optimal scenario. They are going full bubble, full bubble. All 68 teams are going to be playing. They're going to be playing at, there's going to be two courts in Lucas Oil Stadium where the Colts play. And Banker's Life Fieldhouse, um, Hinkle Fieldhouse, Indiana's Farmers Coliseum, and Mackey Arena and Assembly Hall. So they're going to play all the games in those locations. But all the teams are going to stay in the convention center, like basically where they have the combine at. All their hotels are basically, um, they're combined by like those, those sky walkways and all that. So, but they're going to do it the way they can bubble the teams, keep them away from everybody else. And this will ensure that the, that, that it's like the NBA where they don't have positive cases because people aren't going outside of this, this area. And if you do, you got to get the hell up out of there. So this is a smart move because they want to make sure that they get their money, their money that the players aren't, aren't going to get. So this is an optimal move, and that's what the NCAA is going to do. It was the only tenable solution. Because how else could you play the tournament? You couldn't put teams in different locations and expect them to come back, test negative. How do you delay a tournament game because somebody tests positive? You can't. So, and then if somebody does test positive, you may have to put in another team. I don't know how that's going to work. But am I Reister or am I wrong? I'm probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment. In 2021, make sure that you guys subscribe to the podcast. Send it to a friend. Going to be popping. Peace out.